We all know that Jesus had trouble with a certain group of people who wore white robes and took themselves very, very seriously. We can always imagine these confrontations because they would try to one-up him and they would try to get super snappy retorts to what he taught and they would oppose him at every turn. But in every group, you've got one who doesn't fully believe in the group's mission and has questions. And even, yes, the Pharisees had one of these in their own group. His name was Nicky D. <laughs> Nicky D, he would be along when one of his buddies went up there and got a zinger on Jesus or thought he had a zinger until he got humiliated. But he, he would watch and he'd be like, yeah, <laughs> good, <laughs> good question, Jedediah. <laughs> but he doesn't fully believe because he's got serious questions. Well, one day, Nicky D... After a day of this kind of thing, he, uh, he's in the, uh, the Pharisee dorm where they have all the bunk beds just lined up. I picture it like summer camp. <laughs> it wasn't, I'm sure, but whatever. Just go with me, all right? Indulge me, I've been gone. And Jedediah is snoring like crazy and whatever. He's just annoyed. So he gets up and he's just going to take a walk, just, just walk around the summer camp. He doesn't even know where he's going, but his feet take him right to the place where Jesus is staying. He just finds himself here. And then his hand does this. He knocks on the door. And Jesus opens the door. And he goes, hey, Nikki D, isn't it? Come on in, I've been expecting you. <laughs> and he's got, he's got tea set out for him already. And they begin to have a conversation. And Nikki D confesses something. Here's his confession. We, we actually know that you're from God. It's quite a confession. Jesus proceeds to tell him all about the mystery of God's kingdom. This is where we have the great John 3.16 right in this conversation. He says, the secret to eternal life is to come to himself he says, believe in me, you will have eternal life. And in verse 19, Jesus says, this is the judgment. The light has come into this world, and people that love darkness rather than light, and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. People tend to prefer darkness to light, but Nicodemus had stepped into the light with his confession. It was quite a bold and a brave moment for him. He he, uh, um, he took what was hidden and exposed it. Now that metaphor of light and darkness, of course, is just, you know, it permeates Scripture, Old and New Testaments. Uh, James calls God the Father of lights. In the beginning of John's Gospel, John says Jesus was the light. And in John's first epistle, he says this. This is from 1 John 1. Uh, verse 5 to 7, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and practice not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. We get this, I think, 
when we first come to Jesus. We get, we understand this. We see Nicodemus come to him. We understand it when we talk about someone who's never met him coming to him, coming out of the darkness and into the light and taking those things that were hidden, those sins, and, and giving them to him and coming to him. We get that. But over time, something often starts to happen. We start to stumble. Maybe we stumble into sin, maybe just into deep pain. Maybe it's the pain that drives us to sin. We look for comfort. We find it in harmful distractions. We, we medicate. And over time, those medications can turn into addictions. Obvious ones. Alcohol, gambling, drugs. We know about those. Some are a lot quieter, but far more common, actually. Sexual addictions like pornography, internet addiction, compulsive anger. All of those things are ways that we medicate the pain. Or maybe it's not a sin that we want to hide, but just a condition. Uh, maybe that pain's turned into depression or anxiety. Maybe it's causing uh, a strain in marriages or, or families. Maybe it it's just feels so, so heavy and it causes us shame. So we bumble along and we pretend everything's fine. We still pray, we still come to church, and we put on a brave face and when someone asks us, hey, how you doing? We say, I'm fine, how are you? And pretty soon our spiritual life has become a life of pretending. We hide from God, just like Adam and Eve hid in the garden. We live in the bushes, terrified of being discovered by our brothers and sisters in Christ. Does that ring true to anybody? A life of pretending. But see here, here's what, here's what John says right after those verses we just read. In, in verse 8, he says, If we say we have no sin, or if we pretend we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Ouch! If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You guys, our greatest problem is in the church isn't that people aren't coming to Jesus. It's that we stop coming to Jesus. That's our problem. We think we only need to come to him in the beginning. You don't understand. We still need him. You still need his salvation. We all do. He's given us ways to keep coming to him. We can do that in our prayer lives. But it's not supposed to stop there. We're, and it's... We're supposed to be confessing to one another, walking together, keeping ourselves in the light where he's faithful and just to cleanse us. This life we live, this life with Jesus, is life with Jesus and one another. So, bringing, bringing what we have into the light, this is where we're supposed to be. So why do we hide so much in the dark? I think there are two attitudes that can keep us in the dark, that can keep us in that life of pretending. The first is this attitude, I can do this by myself, I got this, don't worry, I got this. Now, I'm usually a fan of confidence, confidence is usually a good thing, but unearned confidence is not a good thing. Can I tell you guys a story? Most of you know I, I really love sports. I, I love watching sports. I love that basketball is back. Go Mavs. Nobody, nobody, there was not even a whoop. Whatever, that's fine. 
I, I grew up playing sports and uh, uh, I loved playing football and soccer and basketball and, and it was just part of my life growing up. But one place I could, one genre of sport I could never play was anything with a stick. If the sport had a stick, I don't know what happened to my coordination, but it just all went away. Baseball was horrible. Uh, uh, tennis, that's close enough to a stick. Couldn't, couldn't do it. <laughs> Anything, racquetball. I, I tried playing squash. One, it was just horrible. Um, so uh, people knew this about me. They knew I wasn't just bad. I was, it was just painful to watch. So I, I had, I, when I was about 20, I was living in Minnesota, and uh, our church started a softball league. And my, my dear, he was my best friend at the time, BJ, he said, hey, you're playing. And I said, I'm not playing. You've seen me try to hit a ball. You know the disease I have. And he said, don't worry, you'll be fine. I'll help you with your swing. It'll be fine. For some reason, I said yes. So I joined the team, and they stick me where I can do the least amount of damage they feel. I, want, sometimes, I think they, 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 they tried right field. Um, that's, you know, usually where you hide somebody. That didn't work out well because I, I, I don't know, I just I couldn't catch, I guess, either. It all just spilled over. They put me at, at second base and, uh, and our, our, like, our coach, the guy, who, you know, he was, he was playing shortstop and he knew. And he says, hey, if the ball comes to you, just grab it. We got a man on first, no outs. Just grab the ball and throw it to me. We're good. Okay, we're good. I'm like, okay, all right. Got it, got it. Yeah, I'm fine. Everything's fine here, everybody. It's good. <laughs> so I'm just standing here knowing I, 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 I'm just praying the ball doesn't come to me. And I don't know if the batter could sense it, like a dog sensing fear. But I feel like he knew because he hit the ball, a grounder, straight to where I was. I didn't even have to move. And I reached down. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to get my body behind it just in case, you know, and all these things. I'm like, ah, I might have shut my eyes, I'm not sure. It hits my glove, and I, lo and behold, the ball is in my glove. And I get it, and I look up, and here's Casey, our, our coach, the shortstop, goes to second, puts his foot on the bag, and I look at the runner who's coming over, and I'm like, oh, I can beat him, I got him. And I ran over, and I tagged second. And I'm like, sweet, I'm feeling so good about myself. And I look over at Casey, and he's going, what did you just, and I'm like, what? I, I got him out. He goes, yeah, but we could have had a double play. Oh, yeah, double plays, yeah. I completely deflated, and you know why I was so embarrassed? It wasn't just that I had blown the double play. It was this. It didn't make any sense. I, I'd, I was embarrassed. I had no business being confident in my understanding of the game over Casey's. But for some reason, this overconfidence took over, and I tried to get him out. I stink at softball. Every aspect of the game, I stink. Yet for some reason, in this moment, I think I know better than he does. It was madness. Now, guys, guys. If you've been grappling in the dark with hidden sin or with hidden pains, unable to get healing, this isn't the time to try to do this on your own. I say this in love. Listen, you have no business being confident in yourselves to be able to do this. You stink at softball. 
Do you hear me? If, if you already have a track record of not doing well in the dark, don't be confident that it says, this time I'll get it. No, you probably won't. Because you know why? Because all of us are broken and not meant to do this on our own in the first place. So it's time to humble ourselves and realize, you know what, I can't do this thing on my own. I can't overcome this pain or this sin or whatever this is. I can't do this on my own. That's okay. You weren't intended to. Like Dr. Phil would say, how's that working out for you? Remember, say it all the time. How's that working out for you? You're not strong enough to handle, handle this thing in the darkness. You need the light. You need the light of Christ and the light of the saints around you. The second attitude that keeps us into the dark, in the darkness is this. They'll reject me. If people know that I'm pretending in these areas, if they know what's really going on, they will reject me. I understand this fear, I really do. Because people feel a pressure in the church, especially, to look like there are no cracks or no struggles. But the fact is, everyone around you, everyone around you has cracks that aren't visible from the outside. Everyone around you is trying to deal with the pain and the disappointments and the fears and the shortcomings that they have. Everyone around you. I know we all do our best to, 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 to put, you know, to show that we can do this. And some of that is, is, is just human nature. Like we, we, want, we want people to know that, that we're okay. Some of that's influenced by really bad stuff in Western culture, like we're all putting our best pictures on Instagram. Nobody puts the picture, you know, you just woke up, you're feeling terrible, and I just snapped at my wife. Hashtag best life now. We don't do that. And I'm not even saying we should. I'm not saying we should. I'm just saying understand this is part of it. We all have these times, we all have these moments, we all have these pains, we all have the cracks. So the shame tells us, what will they say? I'm going to tell you I think that's overblown because you're not actually alone. You're not the only one that deals with these things, I promise you. I don't care what it is. You're not the only one. But these things do cause a bit of shame. That's true. And I want to let you know this. I, I think here at Christ Center, this is, like, this is a huge part of our calling is to help people through difficult times, to help them overcome pain, hurt, grief, fear, shame, sin. All, this, is, this is like a real big part of our calling. Now we have, we have weaknesses here, believe you me, and you, you all know this. We're not good at everything. We're really trying to do better in some areas, and we're like, oh my goodness, we're really weak in this and weak in here. <clears throat> we're not a perfect church by any stretch of the imagination. But I want you to hear this. We are good at this part. We are good at this. This has been something that's been, that God has just put into this church since the beginning. Some of you guys have been here a long time and have seen this happen. Some of you guys have read Pastor John's book and, and know some of the old stories of, of, of what the Lord spoke as this church was founded and in the early days. So a restoration was found very early here uh, uh, to deal, to, to, to you deal with these situations and these hurts and people that were, that were struggling in the dark. But even more than that, like there was this whole like picture that somebody had painted based on a word from the Lord that it was, it was a picture of all these hot air balloons that were in the desert and they were all, they all had rips and tears in them and they were all just sort of lying over the desert floor. 
And there was a train that was coming through that was refilling these hot air balloons and patching them up, repairing them so they could fly again. And the word was, is that is our mission, to take balloons that were supposed to fly and had forgotten how to fly. And that's been part of who we are. That's been part of our DNA since the beginning. And, and some of those have been leaders who have been, who, you know, maybe caught in, in, in sexual sin or, or, or all kinds of, of, of different things, uh, in, in depression or whatever. And, and the Lord has brought them in and, and, and given them a safe place to be able to heal. Sin and hurt. This is, this is what he's put us here to do. And I want to say, I don't want you guys to fear the light. I think this is a really good place to heal. And I just want to invite you into that process. Remember years ago, I was driving with Joshua, with a young leader somewhere, and, and Joshua was talking about this concept and saying, this is one of the things the Lord has called us to do is to, to help people heal and grow. And, and he was talking specifically about leaders. And then he's like, yeah, like when Jason first came. And, and I, I didn't, it didn't ever occur to me that that's what he was doing. That that's what you guys were doing. You know, when we first came, we were broken. We were scared. We were uh, uh, on the heels of, uh, you know, in the midst of three different crises. And, and, and we were in pain. And, and you guys just came and huddled around us and gave and loved and prayed and did all these things. And, and this was before we were ever on pastoral staff or had any idea we would be. So I know this is part of who we are because I've experienced it myself. And a year and a half later when the elders came to me and said, we believe that you need to be a part of the pastoral team. This is what the Lord's saying. And I told them, I said, guys, I've got nothing to offer right now. I said, I am at the lowest point in my life. I'm depressed. I'm struggling in my relationship with my family. My relationship with God is, is weird and weak and I don't know. And, and they said, you know what? That's okay. Because we're not going to let you fail. We're going to walk with you. And I just say that because as testimony that I know the Lord doesn't want us to, to, to keep going in the darkness and keep staying in those hard places, that he's given us room and space, a safe place to be able to bring this to the light and be able to heal. Do you hear me? He's given us all kinds of resources for that. We've been talking about some of those things. Pastor Mark a year ago started uh, the these men's groups and one of the things they focus on is healing from, from sexual addiction and, and, and pornography and different things. And, and the groups are going really, really well and they expand far beyond that issue and they learn how to grow together and be interdependent. And of course this summer, Pastor Janelle and, and, and Karen have both done the same kinds of things for issues for women a, a, around that topic and around that issue. And it's been a wonderful thing and people are finding freedom in these areas. But we have more than just that. Of course, there's Restoration Ministries that goes into the source of hurt and, and our Sozo ministry team where, where you can invite the Lord into those places of pain. We have, we have uh, uh, teams and resources for, for those struggling in marriages. We work with this wonderful ministry called Marriage Team where you get uh, uh, personalized coaching for if you're dealing with, with, with issues there. We, and, and we're big fans of counseling as well because far too many times, one of the reasons people deal with shame is because they think all you have to do is pray for something to go away and it doesn't and then they wind up feeling extra amounts of shame. We believe the Lord gives resources and even professional people who know better ways to deal with this. So I want to say 
I want to invite you. It's okay to bring these things into the light. We want to help sort these things out. And I know this isn't new. It's, this is like the simplest message maybe I've ever given. But what I want to tell you is that it's safe to come to the light. And we invite you here. And we acknowledge, hey, we're broken too. We have to keep coming to the Lord for his salvation. Not just one time. We keep having to come to Jesus. And you know what? It's actually a joy. And I think he's inviting us to do it. Do you guys hear me? Do you believe me? Walk in the light, friends. Learn to love the light, not to fear it. There's comfort there. There's grace there. There's healing there. Just want to invite you to stand. I'm just going to read this over you. Romans 13, 11, and 12. Here's what Paul says. The hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Do you receive that? Lord, help us to cast off the work of darkness and to put on the armor of light and to walk in that light. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. If you guys need prayer... We, we are happy to pray with you and keep it nice and distanced, but uh, uh, we'll have our prayer servant team, those who are here, be up here if you guys need prayer. We love you guys. Thanks for being here.